felt like I kept, I kept seeing in my mind's eye kids who need a home, kids who need a home. And so that was that, that birthed our Transform Tremble initiative of drug addiction recovery. We're going to uh, or already have started partnering with some ministries, but going to continue partnering with, with ministries. Our first initiative, though, is called Every Child. Everybody say Every Child. And I know it's ambitious. I know it's big. But here's what I know. God can do it. If God can part the Red Sea, come on, God can raise up enough believers in not just one campus, but a few campuses in autonomous plants. In fact, the church planter that I'm going to be with in a month, um, it's a bilingual church. And every church that we plant, um, one of the agreements is, will you, will you share our transformed trumble? Will you champion foster care? And use our resources and use the fan ministry and implement these strategies to raise up believers to really make a difference. Because I believe, if I don't know if you guys believe this, I believe the church of Jesus Christ makes an impact on the city. Amen? Uh, if you are a foster parent, by the way, or adoptive parent, there's a bowling and pizza party. We do a big event in the spring, in the fall, and this is the uh, spring event. So April 1st, jot that down. And, uh, and again, if you're interested in helping in any way, Go out and see Nikki, even if you want to be a mentor. I'm mentoring a young man named Zion and, uh, at Trumbull County, and you, if I can do it, you can do it. Uh, it, can, it can take a couple hours on a Saturday, and you can really mean a lot to him. In fact, I really want to tell you guys a funny story. Can I tell you guys a funny story? That's just how I roll. I know. Stephanie gives me permission, so I have it. So, so I'm, playing, <laughs> I'm playing basketball with him, and he picks up, he's 10 years old, and he picks up a football, right? And I'm like... Hey, you think I can make this shot? We're just having fun, right? And so he's like, no way. I'm like, give me 10 chances. He's like, I'll give you $5. I'm like, deal. I, I was a pastor promoting gambling apparently at this point. But I'm like, I'm like, total miss. I mean, eight feet away. And then like five feet away. And I keep missing. It's a sick shot. He's like, you're never going to make it. I'm like, Zion, this is just like life. You can do anything you put your mind to, and God can help you. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord, you better help this ball go in because I'm about to give the worst life lesson. <laughs> and this is like, you won't fail. You know, fail. Uh, but then on the ninth one, it goes in, right? I'm like, you owe me $5. He's like, joke's on you. I'm broke. That's what he said. <laughs> I was great. He's like, I don't got no money. I'm 10 years old at this place. I don't got no money. And it was so funny. I'm like, how are you going to mess with me like that? But we have a good time, and it can be as simple as, as basketball and what we do, battleship. You know, you just being in his life. Um, and then, again, if, if it goes great, you just continue to meet with him. You continue to be somebody that's a positive role model in his life and uh, the love of Father God. Amen? So please go out to the fam uh, table out there, and uh, that would be awesome. And I just realized I do not have my sermon here. So... Um, let's stall, <laughs> ask your friend, oh, let's do the offering, and then we'll stall. Can somebody run me my backpack? My iPad should be in there, or my laptop. Laptop's fine if my iPad's in the office. I always put my lap or my iPad right there, and I did not. It's wrapped up in worship. We're going to receive our offering, and we're going to pray God's blessing on it and blessing on you. Thank you. Give a hand to Ryan, the tech wizard. He keeps everything going, and I'm so thankful for this crew. Are you guys thankful for your audiovisual team? They do such a good job. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we get to open your word today and discuss uh, what you want to teach us. And I pray that our hearts are open, Lord, for 
Uh, all of us, whether we've been following you for a year or for 20 years, Lord, open our hearts, teach us something new today. Challenge us, Lord. Remind us of, of what you want us to know and who you want us to be. And God, I do pray a blessing on every giver. I pray that you would multiply. Father, I pray that you would multiply. The same thing that we, we read about in our life group last night, about you multiplying the loaves of bread and the fish. God, that you would multiply supernaturally this gift. God, because we do believe what your word teaches us in Malachi, that you can do more with that 90% than we can do with that 100%. So God, we give it to you. We thank you for your faithfulness to pour out a blessing from heaven so big that we can't contain it. We give you that. We give you our lives. We give you this act of worship, this offering to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hey, one last thing. Every six weeks, I like to pick a serve team member to highlight. And I did not make sure that they were in here because they're probably already, they're probably serving. But is, is Rick and is Rick Lee here and Carol Lee, are they in here or are they in kids' church? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Come on down. The price is right. Come on down, guys. All right. Come on, put your hands together. This couple. This couple, former missionaries, um, they serve in our kids' department and kids' ministry, and they do an amazing job uh, helping Christine and Nate. So can you just put your hands one more time to thank them for loving on our kids? Thank you, guys. I, I just tell our team, listen, it's, it's not just as a pastor, it's as a dad. It means a lot to me at the way they serve. So, All right, ask your, fav ask your friend their favorite color and food. I really do that. Somebody said everything. If you're a wise husband, you say everything my wife cooks. All right. I think this is the first time in five years I've preached from the computer instead of my iPad. This will be fun. All right. Outreach, reaching out. We are, are in a five-week, or four-week rather, series on what it means to actually be reaching out. So that's why you see FAM, uh, you know, that announcement, that this kind of thing is really intentional. We have a, a, a mission this year where we really want to see 100 people come to know Jesus. How many of you guys think that's actually possible, right? Listen, I, I, God can do it. God can do it. And so we, we get this burden from him, and then we say, all right, Lord, this is what you put in, in our heart. We're going to believe for that, and we're going to do our part, and we're going to just trust what you say, and we're going to dive into Scripture. What, is, what does it actually mean to be sent? And so our key verse today, if you got your Bibles, open to Matthew 28, verse 19, or in the Bible app, Matthew 28, 19. As you turn there, know that each gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give us this moment where Jesus commissioned his disciples to go uh, from apprentice, if you will, from somebody who's learning to understand, learning to follow, to a teammate, to a co-laborer. And I love this verse. You've seen this on, on the walls throughout the church. Uh, it's incredibly important. This, is, this has been dubbed the Great Commission. I want to read this to you. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Everybody say go. go. 
Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. All right? So do you guys remember the game Capture the Flag? Did anybody play that as a kid? I love that game. The point of the game is, of course, to ultimately go capture your opponent's flag, right? And you're with a bunch of your peers, and each of you is assigned certain roles. Some of you has got to guard the flag, right? Some of you is running this route over here. And some of you are just like, if you were my, if you were my personality as a kid, you just ran as fast as you can, right? And then got tackled or hit with a dodgeball, depending on your version of capture the flag. But you have your side to keep, to, to keep safe, and everybody has to remember their role. And so how do you get to this? Your team has a plan, right? Um, and you're each given a role, and the goal is to go into enemy territory and to seek out that flag. But a lot of things, a lot of Christians don't actually know, like other than becoming like Christ, or let's say, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to come to church and worship, and that community is priceless. I get that. But what's after that? Well, there's a big there's a big thing that we all should be embracing as believers, and that's called the Great Commission. That we go from a believer to a disciple maker. That we actually start to embrace what Jesus told the disciples and realize that it's not just that he told the disciples, that's that he told me. That I have people that I can uh, witness to, that I can share the gospel with. So our role, right, is to listen when God says to go. And our, as followers, we have to be obedient to hear his Holy Spirit and to go. And for each of us, that's very unique. For each of us, it's very unique. You have a work environment that's different than the work environment of the guy next to you, of the person in the row behind you. You have coworkers, you have neighbors that I don't have, that, that they don't have, that she doesn't have. God has given you people that you can be telling about Jesus. One thing I'm going to say at the end of the sermon, I want to say again, that if that intimidates you and you think, oh, pastor, I just don't, I don't know what to say. We're going to be talking about that over the next couple of weeks, how to lead someone to Jesus. But I want to start with this. Just include them. Just include them, right? You're going out to eat after church. Hey, you want to go with us, right? Um, whatever you're doing, include people, befriend them. So turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 6, 8. Right? Some of you might be familiar with this verse as well, this powerful encounter that Isaiah has with God. He's one of the prophets in the Old Testament. He has this encounter with God. He senses the holiness of God. He senses heaven. He, then he senses the, the depravity of mankind, the lostness of people. Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, who will I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And so many Christians, if I could word it like this, they, it's like they get all the way up to Matthew 27 and they stop at Matthew 28. They get all the way up to Matthew 27 and they stop at Matthew 20, 28. Or they get up to Matthew 6, verse 7, and they stop. And we all sense what God has done for us. We sense the holiness of God. How many of you, even in today's worship experience, musical form of worship, how many of you sensed like God is with us, like God is good, God is here, God is receiving our worship, right? 
Can I tell you one of the most powerful ways you can give God worship is bringing a lost person to him. Right? Remember what the Moravians said as they boarded that ship? They sold themselves into slavery because this devout atheist said there's no way I'm going to let anyone, anyone tell the slaves that I own about Jesus. He was, he was not only atheist, he was anti-God. And he was insistent that no one would convert um, the slaves, right, that he owned. Well, some people named the Moravians sold themselves into slavery and got on a ship and left their families. And on their way, as the ship was departing, they yelled, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. The worship, some of the greatest worship you can ever give to God is to simply point someone who doesn't know him to him, to tell somebody about Jesus. And so today is about responding to God's word and saying, okay, Lord, I will go. So here's what I want to say, though. I believe it begins with compassion. It's a lament that comes from God himself. How many of you guys have ever been reading the Gospels and you see Jesus, it'll say, filled with compassion? Right? Especially he looks over Jerusalem. And he says, they're, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Right? Oh, that I would gather you. Right? Oh, that I would put you under my wings and take care of you. There's this father, this paternal uh, compassion for lost people. And that has to get in our hearts. Otherwise, we are just simply too busy. Now, let's just be really real. Like, how many of us are just straight up busy? How many of you have a job, right? A nine to four, right? Nine to five. Five to nine? A couple of you? That's a sweet gig, right? Right? How many of you have a job? Right, one more time, raise your hand. Half of you are unemployed. That's terrible. Let's try that again. How many of you have a job? Okay, awesome. You just didn't want to be participatory players. That's fine. How many of you have kids or grandkids? You're taking care of, right. How many of you, when you, get when you get home from your job, you are so tired, you can hardly even function with the kids? Come on, somebody. Okay. So we're busy, right? And I get it. Everyone is busy. But one of the verses that we read in Revelation in our end times class was this. Blessed is the man whom when the master comes back, he finds himself, what, busy, but doing what? Building the kingdom of God. Doing what God wants him to be doing. And so it's not that the rest of your job can glorify God. It, all, it can. I've taught that many times. Your job, the way you do your job, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, do it as unto the Lord. Do it as an act of worship. But I want to say at the break room, at that 10, 15, that 10, 30 break, at the 2, 30 break, there's somebody in the room with you possibly that could hear about Jesus. There's somebody that you could include. And by the way, sometimes this is hard. I remember I worked um, at a flooring company uh, right after gra I graduated high school. I worked at a company that my brother-in-law worked for to save money for Bible college. And there was a couple guys that we all just drove forklifts, and this was a rough bunch, right? This was the type of bunch where every other word is a curse word. And if you work in that environment, you know what I'm talking about, right? So I remember at first, I was like, I'm just going to eat my lunch over here. Right? No, really, it was like so vulgar. It was just, 
It was almost hard on my brain. And this is coming from a public school. I went to a public school. So I was already somewhat used to it. But it was so vulgar, I started to eat long. And then I remember the Holy Spirit convicted me after about a month in. He's like, so you want to go to Bible college? So you want to you witness to people? He's like, how about everybody in that break room? I'm like, oh, okay. So I started eating with them and engaging with them. And they all called me priest. And it took a thousand explanations for me to say, I'm not a priest. And every single day, where's your collar, priest? I'm like, I don't have a collar. Um, a lot of fun. But guess what happened? Guess what happened? About nine months in, the biggest guy, and I mean bodybuilder like insane. You know the guys that they, like their arms don't even fall. It's just like, you know, that, I'm serious. He was that strong. Like his arms didn't even, just pure muscle. He waited till everybody else left, right? He waits till everybody else is gone. He's like, priest, can you pray with me about something? I was like, you have a soft heart? <laughs> That's what I was thinking that, right? I didn't say that, obviously. I'm like, absolutely, man, what's going on? And this big, strong, tough guy started crying. And God had softened his heart. Can I, and I got to pray with him about something. And by the way, God did it. A month later, it, it was a crazy. We started having conversations about God. And I remember what God convicted me. God said, hey, if you would have stayed over there outside of the back break room, you would have never had this opportunity. And that, for me, that was my circle. In 2001, that was my circle of influence. What's your circle? Who is it that's in your world right now? So when we say, God, send me, we have to get better as Christians to actually embrace this. Amen? To truly embrace this. Because what most evangelical Christians are really good at is the end of Acts 1.8. I'm going to empower you to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And almost every evangelical I know will say, send me on a mission trip. Pastor, I am ready. We are willing to go across the ocean, but not across the street. And I don't know why. And I think it even confuses heaven. I, I think even God's like, I don't know that they're fully embracing my desire that every human being belongs in the family of God. But we've all done this, haven't we? Right? We've all done this. How many of you just curious, just slip your hand up if you've been on a mission trip. It is awesome. Come on, slip your hand up. About, about 20, maybe 30% of you. But for whatever reason, I'm preaching to myself because I've done this. We will raise money to go across the ocean we will come back to our church, we'll tell everybody about it, and then we'll go home and shut the garage door and come back next week. And there are lost people right across the street. And I just feel like God is trying to wake us up. That the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and God wants to raise you up as co-laborers. And some of you might say, Pastor Jordan, I don't know what to say. Guys, it often just begins with loving them, getting a heart for them. Getting a heart for them. Getting compassion for what it is they are going through. Isaiah 53, 3 says that he was a man, that Jesus was a man of sorrows. I think if Jesus was a man of sorrows at times, lamenting for the people who were rejecting him or didn't yet know his father, I think we sometimes too should be. You know why? Everyone deserves to hear the gospel. 
everyone, your coworker, your neighbor. I truly believe that when we look at the book of Acts and when we read the Bible, we see that the goal of the local church, yes, equip the saints for the work of ministry, but for what purpose? If we could boil it down, it's two things. It's discipleship and mission. Any church that actually transforms its city like the biblical church did, like the church, we see those two things. We see discipleship. It's a coming to know and follow Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like my rabbi. It's like when Jesus says, come and follow me. He was using a rabbinical term. That's why it was such an honor. That's why these guys are like, they could drop their nets because it was, I'm going to follow this rabbi to become like him. The second thing that transforms a city is mission. So not only I'm going to be like him, but I'm going to do what he did. Not only I'm going to be like him in his character and his attributes, but I'm going to co-labor with him to win people to Jesus. So mission says, I will go so that the world will know. I will go so that the world will know. I don't know about you, but I feel like God has such a desire in his heart for people to come to know Jesus on every street corner, in every neighborhood, in every town, in the wrong side of the tracks and the right side of the tracks. The person with a great job and the, in the huge pension who's still lost, who's going to spend an eternity apart from the goodness of God unless someone tells them about Jesus. Guys, I want to say too that people are seeking truth. People are seeking. It's 2023, and we've been on about 10 years of the My Truth movement. I wrote about it a lot uh, in a book called Truth and Love, where everybody, I remember I was coming right out of youth ministry, and the catchphrase of the day was, well, that's my truth, and this idea that truth is subjective. How many of you guys have ever heard these concepts, right, in the last 10 years? So truth is subjective. But here's what I think. A lot of people are realizing truth is not subjective. Truth, truth is truth. Truth is objective. So now they're seeking for it, and some people seek it in excelling in career, and some people seek meaning and joy and the purpose in life, right, in drugs and alcohol. I don't have any purpose, so I'm just going to live a good, have a good time. And some people say, well, if, I, if I'm going to find meaning in being the most intellectual person around, and bury themselves in education. And education's great. But you're still not going to find what you can only find in Jesus. You won't find what you can only find in Jesus. I have a friend who told me yesterday that he was on the job and his friend just asked him. He said, man, are you, are you happy? And my friend said, well, what do you mean? He said, like, are you happy? He said, I, I, I'm with a girl that I love. We have kids, and I have a steady job, but I'm not happy. And my friend who loves Jesus, he's like, bro, that's what I've been telling you about. That's Jesus. Who thinks that's awesome? He took the opportunity, right? And he's like, that's Jesus. That's what I've been trying to invite you to church and tell you about Jesus. He's like, no, 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 I'm not talking about that. My friend's like, yes, I'm talking about that. That's what you're talking about. You literally just said there's a hole in your heart. That hole, is the, is, that's where God belongs. And he embraced this idea of, I 
can co-labor with Christ. I can tell my coworker about Jesus. Now, it doesn't always happen like that easily, right? Sometimes they're just curious. They're not, they're not telling anybody. But sometimes they really open up the door and, and want to talk to you. We all have people around us, coworkers, neighbors, who deserve to hear the gospel. God already said, go. Do you know what we do as evangelicals? I'll pray about it. How many guys have ever used that phrase? What that means is no. It's like when the worship director, the next generation director, the hospitality directors, can you greet on Sunday? I'll pray about it. Call someone else. No, I'm just kidding. Right? But sometimes God puts somebody on our heart, a coworker, and we think, I'll pray about it. I have your answer. God spoke to me this morning. He says yes. For those of you that are wondering, you're still praying. Should I tell my coworker about Jesus? Yes. Right? I just talked to the father. Father, do you want that? Yes. Turn to your friend and say yes. Turn to your other friend and say yes. He said yes. Because, see, for most of you, when I've done a sermon like this, and I always will end a sermon like this and say, ask God to give you a face, right, a name. And it's always universal. Everybody gets this face or this name. Like, yes, that God already put them on my heart. That's God's spirit speaking to you, and God already said to go. Again, Jesus told them, all authority has been given to me. Go make disciples. Right? Go make disciples. Teaching them. Teaching them. Now, we're not all um, designed by the Lord to, to preach. That's the different, you know, there's, there's Ephesians 4, right? There's fivefold ministry. There's church planter, the apostolic role, the prophetic. Those are the gifts to the church. But we're all called to teach. We're all called to teach people about Jesus. So turn to your neighbor and say, yes, that's you. I have friends that I won't point out right now, but I'm tempted to, to my left, that I've had three couples in the last year tell me that they told them about Jesus and they're simply their neighbors. And one guy told me, this is about a month ago, five weeks ago, he said literally like, I did, did not know much about the Lord and I've grown so much now because they talked to me. Just their neighbors, regular job, not a doctorate in ministry, not a doctorate in theology. Pastor Dave, no, no plaque on the wall. Just a Christian embracing the Great Commission. I can tell someone about Jesus. Amen? So who's your neighbor? If I were to ask a question like how many of you would go serve a people group, serve a neighborhood, a ministry, if we said go, then we would say yes, I would. Let's reach our city. Let's reach our city. I have a friend that I've coached at farmer soccer with, at farmer gyms, and then once at Lakeview. And uh, I've had amazing conversations with him about the Lord. He committed his life to, to Jesus in the back row right over there about three years ago. And he works almost every weekend, uh, so he can't be here on Sundays. 
but I just ran into him recently. He's still going after God. Right? So I had that opportunity. I had that opportunity. It's very simple. Very, very simple. I just would show up a little bit early to soccer practice, stay a little bit late, and once the kids are doing their drills or whatever, just a couple conversations about who God is. We had beautiful conversations. We had some hard conversations. Right? But, no, Mick, there's no microphone, no stage, just a soccer field, two guys talking about Jesus. That's the Jesus revolution. Like, that's, that's when, when, how many of you have seen the movie, by the way? All right? It's so good. It's, it's so good. We went the other day to make sure, you know, because you don't want to promote something you don't know about. And it was fantastic. So I want to encourage you to go take a friend. And, guys, by the way, some of you, like, I get it. You're not really a people person. And, you know, gift words are not your gifting. Right? Like, let's just be honest. How many of you just look at me, just nod if you're like, words are not my gift. Just, just give me a nod. Right? How many of you grunting, like, is your gift? Right. I get it. I get it. So just an idea. Just an idea. Take a friend to that movie. Right? Take a friend of that movie and watch the Holy Spirit start to do something really cool. So who are you teaching? Where do you serve? Who are you serving? Again, I'm not saying coming out swinging and just, hey, let me tell you what John 3.16 says. Sometimes that's appropriate, but usually it's just befriending them. It's being a good listener. So who at your workplace can you offer to pray for? Someone gets hurt, pray for them. You see what I'm saying? Someone's going through something, pray with them. Hey, can I pray with you? And it might not be the first time. It might be my big buff guy that's like 300 pounds of muscle. It might, it might be nine months later that suddenly they let that shell, that guard down. You know what I mean? It might be a long time, but prom I promise you, you plant those seeds, the Holy Spirit's going to water those seeds. And the Holy Spirit's going to start speaking to their heart. Look at this verse from 2 Corinthians. So now, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We once regarded Christ in this way, but we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new has come. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Everybody say the new is here. I love that. How many of you already have been transformed in your mind, in the way you think, in the way you feel? Amen? Right? You're being transformed. That's a beautiful thing. So then what? All of this transformation, and I've talked to so many of you, one-on-one, -on, -one, on the phone, over a meal, in my office. Some of you say, I used to have a terrible temper. Some of you say, I used to be addicted to pornography. It was killing my marriage. Some of you say this, that, and you're being transformed. You're becoming a new person. All of that is from God, who what? Reconciled us to himself through Christ, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's powerful. Let's read that last line again. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. How many of you guys have been reconciled to God because of what Jesus did on the cross, right? And then what? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is so powerful. I'm telling you one of the most meaningful things you can do is help someone get closer to Jesus. I promise you. Leading someone to Jesus through even a sinner's prayer is, is one of the most meaningful things you can ever do in your life. 
Let's keep reading. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Okay, pause. That's a huge element. Huge. And as a churchgoer, you really have to guard your heart, especially if you've been going to church a long time. How many of you have been going to church for more than 20 years? Raise your hand. Right. About two-thirds of us. Which, by the way, that statistic is so good that it wasn't all of us. That's good. Because that means people are coming and getting saved. That's awesome. Okay. But hear me out. The longer you're in this routine of coming to church and being with like-minded Christians, you can accidentally get this mindset like Pharisees had which is I'm really good at pointing out other people's accusations. All right, this side's too convicted, so I'm going to move to this side. So what can stop you from leading someone to Jesus is looking at their failures and counting their sins against them. Okay? That can stop you. That will stop you in a heartbeat of leading someone to Jesus. Instead, look at them the way God sees them. Remember that verse? We no longer consider people from that point of view, but instead now we see them the way God sees them, as people who belong in the family of God. So yes, people have some screwed up habits. And if you're honest, you used to too. And some of you still do. Right? No. But seriously, like how many of you, you used to have some bad habits. You used to think pretty faulty. Right? God can give you a love for people that looks past all of their accusations, all everything that would cause them to definitely be wrong and simply see them as a loved child of God. Do you know it's really easy to point out what's wrong with someone? The rare thing is to be able to point out the God attributes that's in them and the potential in their future. That's the rare thing. The easy thing is to find the dirt. Anybody can find the dirt. Let's be the people who looks at people and says, oh, man, God has a great plan for your life. Amen? God loves you. God loves you. We get to be co-laborers. Look at this. Not counting people's sins against them. I'm not saying you compromise. I'm not saying you lay down your doctrine. We, we had like three hours of doctrine discussion last night at our life group. Our, our, our group is, they're hungry. I, we, we crossed like 10 theological points in a matter of a couple hours. It was, it was awesome. So I'm not saying you compromise your doctrine, but I am saying you that I think God wants us to see people and not count their sins against them, but just love them, just include them, and genuinely enjoy their friendship and their personality, right? Even if they curse. <sighs> Even if they swear, even if they do things you don't like, just hang out. Just be with them. A light is not meant to be hidden, but you are a city on a, right? You're the salt of the, come on, right? So let's move on what we hear. Everyone deserves to hear the gospel. We can embrace that or we can be a church that says everyone hears the gospel. Everyone hears the gospel. And the truth is, like, guys, people are seeking. They're seeking. 
and, and many people are buying into the universalism. How many of you guys have seen those bumper stickers everywhere, coexist? Have you guys seen those? Those are everywhere. So we actually, there's been a lot of studies done about this Gen Z and just, uh, I'm millennial, but like millennial down, if you will, like very spiritual. And there's an entire generation who considers themselves spiritual and connected to some version of God. And some of them will say, well, really, there's all, all these ways to God, and as long as you do the right thing, and then you become kind of a, the Oprah philosophy, which, by the way, gets right into self-help. Do you guys know self-help is, is still the largest uh, number, the largest genre of book sales? You walk into a bookstore, the biggest help is self-help. The problem with self-help is it's yourself that needs help. That's what the gospel does. It changes yourself. So you can read 10 self-help books. And by the way, you can get a couple pieces of good advice in there. Some of those people, you'll read it and you'll say, get off your butt and make your bed. That's good advice. I have no problem with that. But if you think your search for meaning will be found in self-help books, then you're deceived because there is only one thing that's going to give you meaning. And that's something outside of self. That can only come from God. Outside of self. So you can read 10 self-help books. You can read everything from Jordan Peterson and all of these self, you can read. But if, if at the end of the day, you feel like, oh, well, I'm helping myself, trust me, you'll come to an end. You'll still come to like my friend who says, I have a hole. I'm missing something. That's God. The only thing that will actually help you and give you that sense of meaning is what everybody in this room just about has already discovered, and that's that God, somebody outside of self, had to intervene. Amen? I will go so that the world will know. I will go. Not my pastor will go. Not, well, Dave Rosenberger will go, because he's really nice. Him and Doreen. Like, they love Jesus. I'm just, Lord, just send them. <laughs> right? It's got to become personal. So part of following Jesus is obeying Jesus and believing what he says and that he means it when he says, go into all the world and make disciples. We're all called to reach someone to tell someone. And, and guys, do you know all of heaven rejoices when one sinner gives their life to Christ? All of heaven. It's a, it's a perpetual party of celebration and worship unto the Lamb when people get saved. It's so powerful. And we've already seen some people get saved this year, which is incredible. We actually have this crazy goal of 100 people getting saved. We think God can do it. And what do I mean by saved? Maybe you're a guest with us today, maybe you're watching online. It's confessing that Jesus came to die in your place. Jesus, the perfect son of God, came to teach you about who Father God is and that he gave his life on a cross, paying the punishment of your sin and my sin. And that three days later, he miraculously rose from the grave. And he promised a place in heaven. For you and for me. 
that's the gospel. That's it. And we're going to talk about that more in the next few weeks. Yes, there's a lot of beautiful things about God that we're continually learn, but that is the gospel. Jesus, a perfect God, took your place. He took your place. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Because while this is a sermon geared towards believers, I know there's a chance that there's somebody here that may not know the Lord. And maybe already you responded when Will, uh, our worship leader, gave that opportunity. We saw a few, few people respond to that already. But it's possible there's someone here right now who's, who knows that you're far from God. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus. Or maybe you did as a kid. But now as an adult, you know that you're not in right standing with God. I want to say again, Jesus died in your place. I'm not saying come follow a lot of rules with me. I'm not saying buy into a legalistic system. And I am not saying come be religious with me. I'm saying come meet a man who told me everything I ever knew, ever did. Come meet Jesus, the son of God, who died in my place, who died in your place. Come meet a father God who wants to adopt you and treat you the way every son or daughter deserves to be treated, no matter how your earthly parents treated you. Come meet God, not inviting you into a system, into religion, and I'm not even asking you to join a church. I'm inviting you to the kingdom of God that is beautiful and expansive and it's millions of people across this earth who are worshiping Jesus. If that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, you say, Jordan, I don't know God. I know I am a sinner. I have messed up a million times. I need God to forgive me. I have habits that are self-destructive. I've tried the self-help. I've tried the drugs to numb it. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and it's all left me empty. I need Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to give you that opportunity. God, we love you. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. So I'm trusting God that you are speaking to your people today, that you're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, that you're causing all of us, all of us to embrace a call to tell people about your son, Jesus. Father, I ask you to give us a burden like we talked about. Where Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he cared deeply for them. He cared about their anxiety and their worries and their stress. Those same people who had a stress over the Roman government, can I tell you guys, they're just like you. You have a stress over the future, whether there's going, going to be enough money for this and that. You have a stress possibly about your marriage and about different relationships in your life. Jesus looks at you with compassion. He cares for you. He cares for you.
But I believe today he's giving us a compassion for others, a purpose that looks, uh, a perspective that looks beyond ourselves, that looks around and sees hurting people. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Give us a perspective that you have. God, we do believe that you want to send revival, that you want to pour out your spirit. God, that there's 200,000 people in Trumbull County and thousands of them don't know you. Thousands of them will spend eternity in hell away from you unless someone tells them. Help us to wrestle with the truth this morning. Help us to wrestle with the truth this morning that thousands of people are headed to an eternal separation full of pain apart from you. But we have the truth. You may have heard this illustration before, church, but if you had the cure to cancer, would you go tell every cancer patient? Absolutely. You and I have the cure for this eternal sickness that's in every single person, this hole in the heart that my friend described, and that's Jesus. So God, I ask that you give us a burden today. Give us a desire to see them. I want to invite you guys to stand. We're going to end with this old song, and it's kind of a commissioning.